Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to another episode of Home Education Matters. And today we are starting our mini series called Parenting with Possibilities with Sarita Patney. And I'm very excited to have Sarita with us for this mini series where we're going to be talking about all things parenting, but also specifically with a a look at home education parenting and some of the unique challenges and opportunities of parenting when you home educate. So first of all, Sarita, thank you so much for joining us for this mini series. And would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your home education journey? Thank you, Eleanor, for for having me here and um, for saying yes to this this mini series. I'm excited to see what we unfold. Um, I I started home educating my two girls about five and a half years ago, and it really was by accident. I, I never planned to do it, but we'd moved to to a new area and for a Steiner school, which which closed down, and so then our only other option really felt like home education, and we thought we'd experiment and try it out for a term to see how it goes, and. I don't know how many terms later, but we're still here, still going, um, still going with it. And really what I've found through the journey is that it's been a real process for my own self-discovery and unfolding um, and really letting go of a lot of the things that I thought learning and education were. It, um, I, I went through what most probably many of our listeners have been through too, is the main, the, the usual school route, primary school, secondary school, GCSEs, A-levels, university, and then into a job. And um, I I actually worked as a primary school teacher for a while. And, and while I was in school, I really realised that there, there was something that was misaligned with the, with the training of being a teacher and actually what was happening in the classroom and in schools. And it really didn't feel like each child was was free to really to really grow at their own speed at their own pace and I, and there is a lot of talk about child centered education and but it, it's still it's so difficult to do that in a classroom with 30 and so i i always knew that i wanted something different for my children i just didn't know what um and that's what led us to steiner because it it offered something that seemed different and and more unique and at the time when we were when my daughter was there for for a short time, it really did feel like a, a really beautiful setting and and all of that. And I only really realised how structured even that was as we came away and as we went further and further with the home education and and really saw how each of our children was so different and learnt things in different ways and in different times and couldn't didn't really follow a routine it wasn't so they weren't always hungry at the same time or they weren't always waking up every day at the same time and it was all these little little tweaks that that I started to notice that even between the two of them they had such different needs and and it doesn't really follow a timetable and so a big part of our early years was just um was was letting them letting the day unfold as it needed to so to speak and and it was quite simple. It was really 
a lot about just being together, connecting, spending time outside in nature and and spending time with friends and and really having some social connections. And it, it was really simple. And I remember feeling really scared because, you know, in school they would be doing writing or reading or some maths or, you know, just all the things that you do in, in a structured day at a school and suddenly we were not doing any of those things and yeah it really did feel like free falling and I noticed a lot of the time I was wanting my children to do things and 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 really kind of pushing them or forcing them into groups or club classes or even doing structured activities together because I felt like we needed to and this process of of home education this journey that we've been on is when I would face their resistance and, and go into this cycle of frustration, it was, well, what's driving me? What what is where is this necessity really coming from? Because if it's not from them, it's from me. And that doesn't feel very child-centered. That doesn't really feel like it's about them. So that really was the doorway to to start looking at, hold on, what's going on? What what's going on within me? that feels like we need to be doing things or those voices where we should be doing this or we should not be doing like just and and I realized there were so many I had so many constructs so many ideas of what is right what is wrong how it should be what it should look like and they all came from my own experiences of education and this is so new I I mean this is uncharted territory for me I've never been I've never done this before so it was this, the, the real big fear was just the unknown. Like, I don't know how it goes. I don't know what it's supposed to look like. And I was really looking for, I remember now, actually, I was really looking for experienced home educators. And whenever I found one, I was just full of questions. And how does it look for you? And how do you do it? And every conversation I had was different. And And so there I was, again, I was looking for someone who would give me this structure. And then I could base my my way of doing it on them and when I spoke to everyone and it was so different I realized there was actually no there's not one way and that also felt really scary because I really thought I could leave a structured system and find another structure within an unstructured system if that makes sense like it was just this it was so scary to let go of structure to let go of a, a method a let go of a way of how it has to be and there, there was just yeah so much that came up and 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 I had and there was two ways to go. There was either just go go back to the system or stay in this place of of unfolding and not knowing and exploration. And and with that, if I wanted to stay in that place of discovery, which is really what I I do want and I still want now, and I wanted back then, then I had to to really do the work on myself to 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 get more clarity, to be more aware of of where am I stopping this from happening and. And why? Where is that coming from? So, so yeah, that's that's really where how it all started for us, and and then how the journey has evolved in more in less of a journey about my children's education, and more a more of a journey about myself and my own discovery of of what's going on in my own inner world, and how that is affecting my children, and. And how they're learning and and how I'm supporting them in 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 what they want to do and yeah it's um it's an ongoing process 
<laughs> and I, it's interesting that the mini series is called Parenting with Possibilities because it's clear that for you, home education has enabled your children to have new possibilities about how they learn, but also you as a parent, it's given you possibilities about how you parent. And one thing that comes through very clearly is that with these possibilities, you have choice. And once you have choice, you have multiple options. And when you have multiple options, then that there comes inevitable fear because we ha- we're so used to there being one route. And like you said, you left a structure system where we're very much hoping there would just be another route that you could choose. And that would be the one route. And we have people who come on new home educators who come on the Facebook groups and they say, you know, like, I don't know how, how I should, what I should do. I don't know how I should start. Does anyone have any advice? And so many of us kind of like old time home educators, we kind of say, you know, there really isn't one way of doing it. And I always think when I say it, it must be so unhelpful to actually hear that, but it's the only true answer because like you say that for every home educator you meet, there's another way of home educating. Nobody does it the same, but with that, there is an inherent fear. With possibility, there is inherent fear, isn't there? And I think that's one thing that we'll be talking about in our in our mini series is not just about the possibilities, the educational possibilities of home educating, but also the the parental possibilities that are open to you once you step out of that kind of mainstream environment. Yes, there's um, and even when you're saying that, like. I can feel the fear in my body already because it's it's exactly that. It's just when you have so many options, it it becomes it's well, it can almost send you into overwhelm. Like there's just too much to choose from. And I remember that being a big thing for me actually was just, gosh, so many feelings, like the feeling of overwhelm and not having any space for myself. So just and and this strong need to be everything to my children that was a really big one for me so it I, I put so much pressure on myself to to be the teacher and the mother and the parent and then also the cook and the cleaner and the tidy upper and you know just and, and yeah be the educator so like really taking on all of these roles and it, it's again it's been like a process of of stepping back and and actually, some of it has been also about mapping out, like, what does it, you know, wh- what is it that I want to create from from home education? What is it that I'm really striving for? And I don't think it's, I feel like that's an ever-evolving answer and, and a question that you have to keep checking in with yourself because it it changes. And it's, I almost see myself as I'm on this on this path and it has many twists and bends and I and you really just don't know which way it it goes until you take the next step and so and at every step you 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 have to check in and have that almost like a re-evaluation with your with your children and and that's also been a big big thing for me is stepping away from this idea of what is parenting and what is motherhood and I realized it came from this space of almost quite hierarchical like I'm the adult I'm the parent I know better and it's really been about stepping down and 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 being on the same level like going from and and being quite non-hierarchical about it and seeing my children as as equals as as people who have their own desires their own interests their own knowing and sometimes they seem to have more knowing and more clarity than I do if I'm completely honest like they 
they have the ability to be, you know, just really, really clear. Like, yes, I do want to do this or no, I don't. Well, for me, sometimes, oh, you know, for example, let's say we've arranged a play date to see somebody and we're tired and and in my head, I will have all these stories of, oh, but we can't let people down. They might be upset. And for them, it's very clear. We don't want to go today. And and that's just it. And it, it really is it. And and they're almost teaching me how to really come back to the the small now, to the real present moment, and and really let teaching me how to check in with myself and and be okay with that without all the stories that as adults we we seem to create. Um, and so yes, the the managing of possibilities and the overwhelm. Coming back to that for me, a big part of that has just been has been to use the feelings, which is something that. I wanted to talk about today which was how our feelings are, are, our, are almost like a compass they're our guide and so often we use we we have this story that we have good feelings and bad feelings and we're always striving to be happy and if we're any of the other feelings then then they're not good and what what I'm now discovering, for example, like this example that I just gave with my kids having this clear yes or no. And if if that was, you know, on the old old map of feeling, so to speak, there would be this fear of upsetting somebody or and 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 but ultimately there's also this sometimes there can be this anger like, oh, I have to go and I don't really want to go. And you know, there's our feelings are always giving us feedback. They're always talking to us and it's really about getting more clarity of of how they're not good or bad. They're just they're giving us information and how can we connect with that? And so through my journey and my own self-discovery, I found that there are there are actually four primary feelings. And I know that there are so many other things that we throw in, like overwhelm and anxiety and and all of the and all of those, but the four primary ones, I, I there's sadness, anger, fear, and joy, and many other feelings that we have that are that are in like the other ones, like anxiety or overwhelm or depression, um, are usually mixed. They're they're mixed of a mixture of these pure four feelings that we have, and by going through simple processes like unmixing them and just saying, if you're feeling depression for example or overwhelm and and separating them out and saying okay in this overwhelm the biggest feeling that I feel right now is fear because and 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 just getting clarity of the, what the feelings are and why can sometimes help to and, and not sometimes actually they do they they help to alleviate the feeling of overwhelm quite quickly and quite instantly and then the minute you have unmixed them you have so much more clarity about where you are and from there it's it's much easier to then know where to take your next step like what is it that I really want right now and and it, it's like I mentioned earlier it's really about bringing ourselves back into that small now and and I found that this is also a really useful tool of um to use with my children is is really getting them to to connect with with their feelings and I've used it in in different ways with them. So I, the first, a, a really good sentence to use is, I feel sad, angry, glad, or scared because, 
and and then you let them finish the sentence and what that does is that really takes them out of their head and brings them back down into their feelings because when we use a why question we we quite often go into our head it, it sends us right into our mind and actually when we come back down into the experience we become present with what's going on with us and and it also allows us to be in the experience rather than not in not in the present moment rather than being in our head and thinking about it it really brings us back to to what is going on for us right now and so using that sentence has been has been really powerful for me and and using it with my children as an invitation for them to share and what i found is that it's also improved the connection between us because we are i and i always share first i i always say this is what i'm feeling and and then give them the space to share because it it also shows them that it that we're like I talked about earlier that higher that non hierarchical like we're equal and I'm I'm meeting you where you are like I I also have feelings and we do as adults we have them too it's it's not just children that have big feelings we as adults have just got really good at numbing them and suppressing them and and hiding them and and actually what I realised a lot through my journey is that these these strategies that I have for numbing, hiding, holding my feelings in are actually not helping and have been creating a lot of disconnection for me. And by now talking about my feelings more in a healthy way is really helping to to create a deeper connection between me and my children, me and my partner, me and friends, me and family. So it it really, you know, the the, the effects of it can be can be wide and. And also when you share it, it also opens up the opportunity and a door for somebody else to share back with you. And it's been um it's been really beautiful to see the connections that that can happen as a result of that. I think a lot of parents listening might feel that part of your role as a parent is almost to gatekeep your feelings so that your children feel safe and they don't feel they don't see their mother being overwhelmed by emotions or they don't they don't get exposed to a parent that seems to have sort of like lots and lots of different emotions lots of big emotions so I think a lot of parents they might think well should we be sort of showing all our feelings to our children because isn't that slightly destabilizing for them Yes, and and I really hear that because that was me for a long time and really trying to, how do I say it, to be what, what I thought was the perfect mum. And, and I tried to hold it all together and I did a lot of my processing and healing work behind closed doors in secret when the girls were asleep. Um, you know, did a lot of a lot of that work then in those spaces and and this is really not about I don't think this is also about being angry at somebody either like this is really about taking responsibility for how you're feeling and and just sharing it and just and and allowing children to see that that feelings do exist but mm-hmm. but for me the way it happened is as I went through this trying to hide it and then a year and a half or a year and three or four months ago, my mum died. And a lot of the feelings that I thought I'd processed and put away suddenly came back, but they came back much stronger and much bigger. And it and all the old tools that I was using um were not working anymore. And 
it, I realized that there, there was something that was misaligned for me. There's something wasn't working because, you know, no matter how much I tried to to get rid of or, or to to process and to heal my anger, my anger was still there. And the same with the fear and the same with the sadness. And and these are the three feelings that are usually the the bad or the wrong ones that we don't want to bring into a space because they're, they're so uncomfortable. And and then I discovered a um a space called a rage club and I didn't know what it was but I it just it called to me and I I mean the word rage club I just thought what what could that be because maybe that's what I need because nothing else is working right now so I just went with with really a very open heart and an open mind and really not expecting much I didn't I just thought I didn't know what to think but I I went because I needed something and it was really the beginning of of this feelings work for me in a very different way because i suddenly realized that my anger was was still my energy it was still a part of me and it it has the potential to be destructive and to create exactly what you're saying like and and to create fear in other people and i can see how i have done that in the past and and it was for me there was this cycle as a mother of i would have like an an angry outburst and it would be destructive and explosive a bit like a volcano and then I would go into this feeling of guilt and shame for being this way and then I would you know I guess go into that pattern of suppressing suppressing holding it in until the next explosion happened and it was this cycle that was happening again and again um and going into this space I realized that there is this one way that anger can can show up in your life but I've suddenly got exposed to another way of how consciously connecting with my anger can also allow me to create and is also the the part of me that is driven and is passionate and cares and wants to make a difference and wants to create change in the world and it it was almost like I have I could see both parts of this in me but the destructiveness was getting in the way of the creating. And so, and and I was, and I wasn't creating the life that I wanted for myself and my kids. I was, it felt like the feelings were creating so much destruction that it, it wasn't working. And so going through the rage club really helped me to process the the destructiveness, the, the the elements that were were creating the destruction, and and it's an ongoing process. Like I just want to be clear that it's not like I went to one rage club and it was fixed. It's like it was almost the opening of a doorway, an opening of a whole new way of working with my feelings, and how I can use them to create more of the life that I want. So is, I... is is the distinction there that it's okay to show emotions in front of your children if you're also showing them a way of managing in air quotes your emotions by giving them a healthy direction so if you're feeling anger you allow yourself to use anger to fuel your creativity for example if you're feeling fear you allow fear to help you understand your boundaries for example so is is that what you mean by um allowing yourself to feel the emotions in front of your children because you're kind of also showing them how to handle their emotions. If I suppress, 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 and I hold it in and I don't communicate what I'm feeling, what I find is I get like um, this bottleneck and it's like a build up and the pressure builds up and then that's what creates the explosion. 
but actually if I if someone's left their shoes in the middle of the room and it's really annoying me and I can just say I feel angry because those shoes have been left in the middle of the room and I can say it when I see it in that really healthy way and and I've said it and I'm not expecting you to do anything about it but I have just said how I feel like I've just allowed myself to own my feelings in that moment then what I'm noticing for myself is it's avoiding this buildup of this bottleneck where I'm holding it in, holding it in, holding it in. And then it will be a really tiny little thing where somebody asks me to pass them a glass and oh, I don't want a glass, you know, like just I don't have time or whatever. It avoids those sorts of explosions because I'm saying I feel angry that you, yeah, you've left the shoes in the middle of the room and and I and I open a space and, and what I will then say to my daughter is, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about hearing what I just said? And then there's a space for her to respond to that. I feel I feel angry because you expect me to move them or I feel sad or I feel scared. Like whatever's coming back, whatever's coming up for her. But just having this space for real authentic communication rather than having an explosion and really even I don't know the reason of what I'm really angry about because it's been so many things that I've built up over time. And and what I also noticed then is that when I'm connecting with my feelings at that low level, I can also use my anger to say, and, and it could even be that I don't even say I'm angry because you left your shoes there. I could just say that you've left your shoes in the middle of the room. Will you move them? And and just use it as a as a question and am I and it's a question will you move them and she can say yes or no and and I've used my and that's using your conscious anger to create something that you want like I want these shoes moved and then if she doesn't do it I can then again use my conscious anger and say I I, I do it now I choose to move them because I don't want them there but it's um yeah it's about changing the way we we have these conversations and and how we're interacting does that mm. did I answer the question yeah and I think what you say really resonates with me because I very rarely lose my temper with my children now like very very rare they're teenagers I mean I've learned that there's no point it's it's just not helpful um but partly that was because I think I was not doing it right just like you say when I think back to the times when I lost my temper it was always a build-up and then an explosion. And what invariably happened, if I think back to a classic example, which would be me and my daughter doing maths lessons together, which was always a touch point, what would happen is I would sit there repeating to myself, don't say anything, be very patient, be patient, let it go, it's okay, like trying to suppress, trying to suppress. And then invariably, after about 40 minutes of this, I'd throw a book across the room and it would all come out in that one moment, like, forget it, we're not doing it throw a book, a massive explosion of anger. Now, I think what you're suggesting, which is really helpful, is that what I needed to do instead of like these mantras, like be patient, don't lose your temper. Actually, what I needed to do was identify what I was feeling, allow myself to feel it and express it in a sort of a way that would be helpful, something along the lines of, you know, I'm really struggling with this at the moment and I'm finding it quite difficult. How are you feeling about the lesson? Something like that, right? And I, and I think actually that there's no doubt that if I'd have done that, I probably wouldn't have got to the point where I was throwing a book around the room. <laughs> yes. And and I think, I mean, thank you for sharing that because it's, um, 
it's so easy to to fall into that because I think and that comes from society and how we've been conditioned that our feelings are just not okay and it's really it's not okay to to talk about your feelings it's not okay to have your feelings and and this is it, it this kind of links back to what I was saying at the beginning of how this process has been for me because what I realized is that my feelings were not all right my mum my pet well my mum and my dad my my pet my feelings were not welcome if I was sad if I was angry if I was scared it was don't be sad or don't be angry and and especially as a girl girls don't get angry it was you know I heard that a lot um and if I was scared it was you know overcome your fear and you just put your fear to the side and you do it anyway and and actually, well, what if my fear has intelligence? Like you said, like my fear is telling me I'm not safe right now. I need to put a boundary or I need to leave this space. And it, it's it, it's exactly that. It's about how we, that there is, there is information in those feelings, but we've been so conditioned to turn them off. And and then it, it really shuts us off from, from having a different way of relating to, to other people and to our children. And And I think many of the people who are on this path of home education want something different they they do want to do it differently they they want a different different way of relating a different way for their children because something didn't go right for us and and we yeah and 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 I think that's it it's and you don't always know what that is it until you until you you discover something new that that's what how it worked for me that I was looking for something different I didn't really know what it was and every time I'm surprised by what I discover and I, I didn't just you know I, I also didn't think we would be unschooling but that's how it's unfolded and it, it and just and the freedom that that allows and yeah that so remind us again remind our listeners again of that phrase that you use with your children which was something like I am glad oh, mad yeah, I, what was it mm-hmm. yeah I feel um, and it's actually a good way to remember it. I feel mad, sad, glad, or scared because, and and really just using that sentence and and going first. So you can say I feel sad because, and whatever it may be, and then and then use that prompt for your children. What are you feeling right now? And and the way I would do it is I would ask my my child, what are you feeling? And they might say, and and I will. Re- say the feeling sad angry scared or happy which which of the four and once they've named one of them I'll then put it into the sentence so you feel sad because and and let them finish the sentence so what if really... they struggle to know why they're feeling that because sometimes children I found and actually adults as well but but mm. children particularly I think can find themselves feeling something and when you say oh why are you feeling that they don't really know or maybe they I, I actually genuinely get the impression they don't really know what's beneath the feeling. And and I sometimes, I, I invite them, to, I invite my children to close their eyes so that they're not thinking about it too much and really just remind them that it's okay to say anything and that there's no right or wrong. And and yeah, just to stay because when when we close our eyes, it really helps us to be more in our heart space, more in our feeling space, more in our body rather than and when our eyes are open and especially if you notice like when you look up um when you're looking up you're going into your mind it, it and and we're so and again schools school has trained us to do that to be in our minds to be in our thinking to be 
to be in the having to know it all rather than feel it all. And so this is this is like a, almost like a retraining. And and so yes, it can be hard at the beginning, and and that's okay. And sometimes it's okay just to name the feeling. And if you don't know why, the first few times that's fine. Can you and, suggest things to them that because you know, for for example, if you think you know why they might be feeling sad and they say oh, I don't know like my do- my daughter who's a teenager she said to me the other day she said oh, I've been feeling sad all day and there's just no reason and I don't know why and I really wanted to be like could it be this could it be that could it be this this is like the problem solving coming in is it helpful to do that sometimes or not um you I I think for me, the impulse is to really go with what you're feeling and to keep using yourself as an example and say, sometimes this makes me feel sad. And and to really to to keep using yourself as a so if you think that it could be this, it could be something that you feel has come up for your daughter, you could say, when this happens to me, it makes me feel sad. And 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 then you could ask her, do you have a similar experience? Is that something similar for you? Or have you ever noticed that happen for you? And and really use it as yourself. And and my hint is and my my impulse is that if you have suggestions of what it might be, it might be because those are the things that would have made you sad. And so you already have real examples. And so I would always just always go with yourself and and always make it about you because one of the processes about these feelings is to empower our children to to own their own feelings and for them to know them. And there is no right or wrong. There really isn't. There is no right or wrong way to have a feeling and and to really show them that. Would you um, sort of schedule this in during the day or is this something that you would respond to in the moment if you feel like they were having big emotions? It It's something that, I use throughout the day if something big comes up um, and and I notice that there is something. And and then we also do a feelings check-in before bedtime. And so we go, there's actually a really brilliant book, which is called Goodnight Feelings um, by Clinton Callahan. And I can share the link with you if you would like the link, but it's, it's an absolutely brilliant book because it just goes through the four feelings and it has some prompts in there. Um, and you read it together and it really is about parents and children or the reader and the, whoever's listening to share together so usually it's the parent reading and the child listening for us and i share and then they share and it goes through the four feelings but it's really useful to have this book and it also makes really wonderful bedtime story because it's a different story every day so it's and it's a story about us and I'm surprised because I really thought that I wasn't sure when we first got this book how it would go for my children and whether they would, you know, maybe we'd read it a few times and then that would be the end. Like, we don't want to read it. But actually, it's the one book they ask for every night. It (laughs) it really, and I'm, I'm surprised, but I think they really, they really appreciate having this daily space to just before bedtime. And it, it, it works really well for us. I find that uh, because I do couples counselling and I find that a lot of my time is spent doing this exact work, trying to get people to identify their feelings and express them healthily to each other. It's it's just a very, you know, very standard part of couples counselling. And I've started doing uh, 
the same kind of exercises with my children that I do with my couples where somebody will say something and then the the listener has a role. The listener, for example, will paraphrase it back. They will validate what's been said and then they will guess at what emotions may be underneath and then check whether they're, you know, whether they're guessing right. So it's quite a nice kind of collaborative thing. Is there a role for the listener in this? So when, when your child says, I'm feeling scared because... And they, and they come up with their reason. Is there something that you as the parent would then respond with? Or is there is there a response that you think is helpful at that point? Or is it just about allowing them the space to discover that themselves? I, I usually just say thank you. And and sometimes there is another, which will probably be our next podcast possibly, is is using the completion loop, which is what you were just saying, the paraphrasing, which is really just not completely mirroring exactly, but really just saying what they've just said back so that they feel heard and they feel listened to. And and also so they can hear what they said because it 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 does it creates something within you when you hear what you've said. It it really kind of makes it land in a different way. And yeah, a big part of it is just to to and that's a big skill I think as well for me that I've discovered is is becoming a listener like what is it to be a listener and to really listen to my children and and giving them that space and and making them feel heard I think uh, it would be really interesting to have that discussion in our next podcast because I think there's no doubt that when you're a parent it can be quite uncomfortable listening to your child expressing big emotions because your natural instinct is to want them not to feel these negative and in inverted commas emotions. And so I think a lot of that is uh, is behind the reason why we don't do a lot of this feelings work with our children, because we actually don't kind of want them to feel this big stuff. So we think that if we talk about it, somehow we're making them feel it, but obviously they are feeling it anyway. It's just that we're allowing them sort of healthy expression of it. Mm, absolutely. And, and that's exactly, I feel like we keep doing loops back, but that's exactly why it's this, it's a journey for self because I've realized that if I can't process and hold my own feelings then and, and really hold space for myself I can't hold the space for my children to to express them so as I've been allowing myself to get in touch and process and explore what's going on for me I feel that I have more capacity to to hold these big and what used to be quite uncomfortable and still can be like they it, it's not it's not always easy, but I, I feel that I've come a long way now where before it was really if my children were crying or angry, I would try and distract them or pacify them or or make it feel better. And actually now it's I can sit next to them and just be there while they're crying or they're angry until. And I remember reading an article many years ago, I can't remember who it was by, but it, she, she used this analogy of allowing the train to go through the tunnel. And I. I can, I can allow that to happen a lot more. I notice myself doing it a lot more than I used to be able to. And how that is also teaching my children how to, to, to be with their feelings and also allowing, allowing them the space to know that their feelings are welcome, that they don't have to hide them and put them away and they're not dangerous. And, and it doesn't mean that when you have a big feeling that you're left alone and, abandoned because that was a big one for me if I have big feelings then I'll be alone and that it's not true I, and I 
yeah, just showing them that it can be different. From a practical perspective, sometimes I find it quite difficult, especially when the children were younger. If they were having, uh, if they were very sad, they were crying, something like that. I would, I would sort of give them a big hug, and then naturally, words like "it's okay," "it'll be okay" would just come out because that's just what I heard as a child, and it just feels a very instinctive response. So, are there phrases that you think are more helpful in those kind of scenarios where you're with your child and allowing them, as you say, to go through this tunnel of of emotion? I am. I now actually just name the feeling, and so. Uh, you, you're feeling something right now and if they haven't identified it or if it is sadness I you're feeling really sad now right now and I yeah and and I can see that I see that you're feeling sad and and that that really is all I do is I just keep telling them what I'm seeing and and it's just about reassuring them that I see that this is sadness and I'm still here you have a big sadness right now and I'm still here next to you and and I just, yeah, coming back to that other point that you made earlier is really, I feel like I just maybe didn't express how important it is for us as the parent to hold space for ourselves. Like I, I just, that that for me is the key is before we can do this. And it's a bit how we talk about if your cup, if your cup is not full, then you, you can't, you can't feed others from an empty cup or whatever that saying is, but it really is that idea is this, if you can't do it for yourself, if you can't allow yourself to feel and to go there, then it's really, it's it's not possible. In my experience, it's not possible to do it for your children because you are then triggered by the big feelings. So the first step really is for parents to to connect with their own feelings first. And, and that would be my invitation. And I actually am in the process of, um, of setting up a a feeling space it's just going to be 15 minutes once a week for a call for people to for mothers and parents and dads but um to come and to to be with their anger to go into their conscious rage and it's just it will be three minutes of just being with your anger and really letting it out in a healthy space supported by others and 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 the theory and and actually not even the theory the experience that I have behind this is that we as mothers are so tired, are so drained, are so exhausted, but actually, and and we have also have this story that when you feel your feelings, you're only going to end up more tired and drained and exhausted. And actually, what I've discovered in the last year that I've been doing this feelings work is that being with my conscious rage is actually creating more energy in my life. Like allowing myself to just feel these feelings is creating more energy and more capacity within me. So and is so, there is the theory that um, if you're feeling, you have all this rage inside, and we, we all have rage inside, so you have this rage inside and then you verbalise it for three minutes and that, that somehow doesn't increase the rage but just almost allows it to dissipate? It, it doesn't dissipate either. It It is, what it does is it allows, so the process is that you would, have your rage and then you would keep your mouth closed after your three minutes of just like wow big ex explosion almost and then when that process of keeping your mouth closed allows the energy that you've created that you've brought in which is it's your own energy and you allow it to circulate within you and suddenly you have more aliveness you have more energy you have the, the your ability to do just suddenly grows and 
your ability to hold space for your children, your ability to hold space for yourself, and the ability to take action, it it really just, yeah. I think that one thing, I think, I think that's, that comes through very clearly. And I think that this podcast series will be very much based on this idea that, as you said at the, at the start, we are often the, the single point of focus for our children when we home educate, because everything comes through us. And that can be very scary, as you said. Um, And I think sometimes we can be very, we can be, feel very wary of allowing ourselves these big emotions because everything comes through us and we have to stay strong and we have to stay consistent and we have to stay calm. That's the theory because everything comes through us. And I think what you're saying is that actually the possibility is there for you to be able to feel these big emotions and allow them healthy expression and that they actually will give you energy and they'll actually create more possibilities for you and your child. Yes. Yes. Thank you for summarizing it. Yes. And that, that, that's exactly it. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So next, next time we'll be looking at the completion loop, right? So this will be taking the expression of feelings and then thinking about how the responder might respond to those feelings and the the role of both people in that conversation. So I think that'll be really helpful for our listeners as well. So Sarita, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. It has been really interesting, a really interesting deep dive into feelings. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eleanor. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.